back. All right, Ken. Sorry about that. How are you doing, Ken? I'm... Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Good hear you. How are you doing? I know. I hate it when people ask that question, and here I am asking it. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, uh, uh, T, you're hitting it out of the park again. Really appreciate your show. Um, and Jeff, you're... Uh, breath of fresh air getting to hear somebody else talking about this it's something that um, I've been on top of for a long time but then dropped it because I got so much negative feedback from you know family friends relative people I worked with and all that that you know it just it became non-productive to even bring it up um, so for all those people out there I told you so. Thanks for letting me say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that felt good. You know, um, the 2.4 gigahertz, I don't know if I brought this up on your show or not before, Travis, but um, I started driving around with a radar detector a long time ago. Uh, initially, you know, to use it for what people would buy a radar detector for. But I quickly found out that it really didn't give you much advantage, you're better off listening to Channel 19 on a CB and finding out, mm -hmm. you know, 10 miles beforehand where they were and driving accordingly. Um, but what I got exposed to were these random events where it would go off and there was, you know, nothing obvious around. And having said that, presented that platform, um, what I've discovered is that there are Bluetooth readers that are along the highway that they've deployed. And, you know, all, like you were saying, Jeff, all these things are in the 2.4 gigahertz range. And just what I found real quickly, uh, you know, RFID, microwave ovens, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, radar, police radar, etc. The vaxxed, uh, alarm systems, um, door systems, like, you know, when I pull up to the grocery store, um, my radar detector absolutely pegs, but I digress. Um, the, the big one, I think, that's getting past most people is the RFID. And, um, you know, it's everywhere. It's in all the stores. And um, what's very interesting is, you know, I get contact traced out the Wazubi everywhere I go. And I mean everywhere. And when these guys pass me up, you know, my radar detector will absolutely peg. And so they're, you know, actively scanning me. Um, and so, you know, I just kept looking into it and found out all these other things. Dang, I lost my train of thought. Um, but, uh, well, um, Jeff, yeah. have you heard about these Bluetooth uh, detectors going up on the side of highways? Well, had you heard about that? Other, other than like uh, people with the speed pass and stuff like that, I mean, I know that those detectors are up, and that's going to be running on an S band, which is two two four gigahertz. 
so those will certainly set off a radar detector. Radar and microwave share a lot of the same frequency bands. So radar starts at about 400 megahertz, and it'll run on up there to 12 gigahertz. But um, but they share a lot of the same bandwidth. And uh, so, you know, and how much stuff is running at the 2.4 and 5.7 gigahertz. Now, the reason why I say 5.7, 5.7 and 2.4 gigahertz is almost the same thing because you can do everything with 5.7 as you can do with 2.4. It's a very narrow banded uh, frequency. Uh, you can just narrow it right on down and not have to worry about stuff bleeding over from one thing or another. Right. Like I got some cousins, or nephews, I should say, that they own hunting dogs like these walkers is what they call them. They're these hound dog-looking dogs. And uh, they keep up with them with uh, Bluetooth on their phones. They got Bluetooth collars. And you could call them RFID. A lot of people... A lot of people, when they think RFID, they think of like uh, like the security tag on a on a on an electronic product at the store, and that is RFID, right. but it is powered by another unit. It doesn't have its battery and a and a, a external or a signal being beamed out of it. Like when you walk through the door, uh, you know the security gate at a store, and you didn't pay for a product, that gate is got a constant frequency going and that frequency powers up that RFID tag. Right, it's passive. So, right, it's passive. So then, you know, active RFID would be like a, a collar on a dog that was producing a signal all the time around that dog's neck. Right. So you can track your dogs in the woods on your telephone. Right. I see. Yeah, it's... Um it's kind of interesting because you know, it, it, if you start thinking about MK Ultra and the Vaxed and all of that, um, it, it's a scary thought thinking you know what could actually be going on. And you know, one thing that's uh, overlooked, I, I think, or I'm just I'm ignorant to other people talking about it, is that uh, before Kennedy was assassinated. Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald went over to the Soviet Union, and while he was there, he had a little brain surgery, and he had an electrode stuck in his brain uh, behind the mastoid sinus area, which, as I understand, that's where MK Ultra technology was at during those days, and... Um, Anyhow, if you if you think about that, and then you think about what the vaxxed people you know have going on, um, I think that the MK Ultra connection is is there. I'm you know being very brief and leaving. Yeah, out I've wondered about that, Ken. Like what what my effect that might have. You know, like there's definitely I definitely think there's a lot of sleeper agents, people out there that are you know part of these you know secret societies, occult things, and they're, you know, they're part of the club. And the club, likes, you know, has many different flavors, I guess. So, uh, but I did wonder about that, like how, you know, these well, frequencies could be... when you got a TV in everybody's house? Right. Yeah. Well, right. Well, that I, and be, also, that remember that movie that just came out with the Obamas? There ever was. 
You're right. right, but you combine that because then you have the optic nerve um, uh, uh, influence. They've learned a lot through optogenetics. They have learned quite a lot. Thus, the all the purple street lights going up everywhere. Right. Well, let's talk uh, about that. All, the optogenetics. All LEDs. Uh, right. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, man. What didn't uh, didn't somebody send you a lamp? Some from uh, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, the some guys over in the UK spent a lot of money sending me the head unit off of one of these street lamps, and uh, they were because they were like you know listening to people like Mark Steele or Dave, whatever his name is, some guy named Steele. We was talking about, yeah, it's 28 gigahertz running off of these units, and it's like, okay, let's <laughs> see one. And, uh, but all these, these units, they, they, uh, they are a mesh network, but they run between 800, uh, megahertz and 1.9 gigahertz. So, you know, but that optogenetics is a completely different thing. Right. And, you know, I mean, like, right. So that yeah, the LED it's it's run from the LED. It's not it's not even frequency. These they're probably connected or they're they maybe uh deploy a mesh network on top of those street lights, but um yeah, the Still, optogenetics they, is straight. Street lights are purple, which give off no real light. Right. But you know, if you look into optogenetics, you'll find that like the early ages of optogenetics is when they would squirt, you know, take a mouse and they'd open up his his, his head. And then they'd squirt some hydrogel down on his brain, and then they would hook up a, a piece of fiber optic cable to the top of his head. And then they would send a digital signal across that, and it was blue light, purple light. And the purple, they use a purple light because that is, that will go through your skin. Like that, that black light, man, it's that optogenetics opti, is what you want to look into. But then they found out they didn't even have to hook up the light to the mouse's head. They could just shine the light in his eyes, and it worked the same way. So well, that's I what the – oops, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I was just uh, – you know, I got videos from – that have all been erased from the Internet near about where they took a dead mouse at Cambridge University. They took a dead mouse and made that son of a gun get up and walk around in a circle using optogenetics you know they can they you know they can make a mouse aggressive they can make a mouse eat they can make a mouse stop eating they can make a mouse get up and walk around so that's, you know a live mouse anyway but still they can do that's it. exactly what uh dr jose delgado was doing um back in the 50s you know he wrote that uh uh, see what was that book called? Towards a psycho civilized society, physical control of the brain. Doctor Jose Delgado, and he, he was, you know, back then they were again doing sticking electrodes in the brain. But he, it, people probably remember it if they've ever seen the videos of the guy standing there with what looks like a radio control box for RC airplane, and have a charging bull come at him, and he'll push a button, and the bull will stop. <laughs> Um, that was Dr. Jose Delgado. And then the other guy, um, uh, Ivor Browning, um, he lived in Arizona, Mr. Travis, and um, he did an experiment where they stuck these uh, electrodes into the hypothalamus 
of a donkey's brain, and they had this donkey go all the way up a mountaintop and back down, and uh, they had the signal going on in his brain, which was equivalent to 20 full-blown orgasms going off simultaneously. And every time the donkey would divert off the trail, he would lose the signal. And so you never saw a donkey so eager to stay on the trail. And and we're talking decades ago. Yeah, yeah, this is all old stuff. I mean, they have perfected this now. Yeah, the iridologists, the people who do physical examinations based on your near sclera and so on and so forth, um, tell you that the eyeballs are actually an extension of the brain. Yes, they are. Right. Right. Absolutely, they are. So, you know, the, the when these purple street lights started going up everywhere, you know, people would ask and inquire about it and be like, well, why are you putting up all these weird black light? You know, we got some black light posters being installed next or something. And, <laughs> you know, they were like, oh, no, they're just manufacturing defects. Right. And that's what you heard everywhere. They're just manufacturing defects. You are right. like, well, why would you install them then? After you got the verse five out of the box, why didn't you just box the rest of the crate up and send it back to China? <laughs> uh, but but it's not like they, that they've been replaced or fixed or anything like that. No, they're still purple. Everywhere that they were purple, they're still purple. And but, there's got you know, and and these things offer no real light. No, the they're creepy. One of street light it, is to know? provide some light for people walking around or driving around or whatever. But right. these things offer no light. Well, you know, what's interesting is a certain type of purple uh, is in the 420 nanometer range. And so I always thought that was kind of interesting, you know, the the big thing about 420. Right. <laughs> Put them to sleep. <laughs> right. Well, make them walk around in a circle or just gather underneath the light like some bugs. I don't know what they're for. I really don't know what they're for. I I honestly, I think that it's got something to do with optogenetics, but I have, you know, we can theorize and we can guess and we can try to understand a lot of this stuff. And a lot of the stuff that we do talk about, we have proven and all that stuff, but you still are left in that, that, that situation of why, what, what, what is their intention? I mean, I understand the vax is killing all these people so they can be replaced, but what about all this other stuff? Right. You know, uh, I mean, it's it's got to be for something. Can't be for nothing. Well, it's got to be for something. What, ab- what about the concept that they're talking about? You know, looking for the God gene. Um, they you know, found then, then the DNA. Uh, so maybe they're trying to, you know, block people's, you know, vertical access, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be well, my guess is what yeah, they're trying I to mean, do. I mean, like the God gene was, they, they discovered the God gene back in, the, uh, in 78 or something like that. And then by 83, that's when, uh, that's when a, a well-known researcher named Kerry Mullis uh, developed something called the PCR, polymerase chain reaction. And they took that poly- and that polymerase chain reaction was just able to take a tiny little bit of 
organic uh, or like a, a, a little tiny piece of human blood and then multiply it over and over and over and over and over to give them something to read as far as a, a chain of DNA. Right? So they, they went to Iraq with these NGOs to test these people for AIDS back in 84, and the Iraqi government had monitors there, so all the blood that was collected from people's fingers was taken by the Iraqi government. But what they didn't take was the sharps, the sharps bucket, the little pokers, because they didn't think there was anything on those little pokers that could make a difference to whatever. But what they didn't understand was PCR. So they were able to do a sampling across all of Iraq and get their basic genome. And then they went and chemtrailed them before the Iraq wars. And they chemtrailed them for the God gene. It was the God gene, if you don't know what it is, it's, you know, think of two people sitting in a church. And uh, one guy is asleep. He doesn't even want to be there. His wife carried him in there. He's not getting anything out of it. He's just on the front pew. But his wife, every time she hears a song or a, a, a Bible verse, she stands up and starts swaying back and forth. And where she raises her hand and starts waving at nobody, right? She's got that God gene. Her husband does not. Right. What they discovered was they could alienate people through their God gene. And that's what they did to the Iraqi people leading up to the war. They wanted these people to be as aggressive and mean and just off the chain. Because for the most part, the Iraqi people were pretty peaceful people. You know, right. all the nations in the Middle East were a very peaceful people. I mean, like... Iran hadn't invaded anybody in a war of aggression in over three or 400 years in Iraq. And, you know, they had their problems with Israel and they had their little spats with, with Syria. And Syria had their spats with Israel and Syria had their spats with Libya. And, but for the most part, they always got along over there. Well, Until I think we you just over. hit the nail on the head completely because that's what I'm seeing going on in the United States of America, well, Absolutely. United States now, not the USA's in the rearview mirror, unfortunately. But, um, but yeah, that's got to be, you know, what's going on between the combination of the visual stimulus, the auditorial, uh, audible uh, stimulus. I can't say that. The TV. The TV. Right. The um, TV. The TV. Gives you both. And then... <laughs> The active denial system, which is a weapon system, relabeled as, air quotes, 5G. Well, right. well I, think, I think what you say, yeah, yeah, I mean, if they, if they want to directly endpoint certain frequencies out of that range, they can't. Is that what you're saying, Jeff, with this 5G, the active denial system? They can pinpoint it. Well, active denial is just microwave. That's all it is. It's just a, a blast of microwave from 800 megahertz all the way up to 3 gigahertz. I mean, it's just a blast. It's a uh -huh. wide spray. It gets you deep down. It gets you on your skin. It makes you go away quickly. Right. Makes uh, make you poop your pants. It's easy to defeat, though. The active denial is very easy to defeat. That's why it's not like super widely used, because... People figured out how to defeat it already. You know, just a, a plastic shield, garbage can lid, piece of screen, anything right. like that will 
defeat that. So, what if you got a crowd of people that don't know nothing and they're just out there holding signs and stuff like that? Unless they realize that they can hold their signs up in front of them and halfway defeat it, yeah, they're going to go away quickly. <laughs> right. They don't really use it that much, I don't think, but they still got it. I mean, these people have developed things for. I mean, when is the last time they developed anything that helped people? Right. That's what. I, yeah. That's a, that's a great point. I bring that up. I try to bring that up. They they don't. Yeah. They don't give us what anything ha- good. What I mean, happened to the med beds? That was a big thing mm-hmm. a little mm-hmm. while ago, and then uh, you don't hear any more about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. They keep these. They keep these people hoping that. Oh yeah, one day we're gonna have med beds. I'm gonna get this. <coughs> yeah, opium. Right. <coughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe they well, Jeff, them, but they're not going to be used for us. Yeah. Um. I uh, have you know one of those tri-field meters. I've had it for decades, mm-hmm. and um, I'll have it sitting there, and just out of nowhere, all of a sudden the meters will peg. And, you know, I haven't turned on any devices. Um, so, you know, I'm really careful in mm-hmm. when I see that. So what would you guess that that was due to? I mean, other than, you know, maybe a smart meter. Man, there's so much stuff out there that, that could set off a tri-field meter. Uh I mean, from new LED headlights on cars to planes going over, you know, military jets going over that are, you know, scanning the ground. Or, I mean, there's so many things out there that can set off a tri-field mirror, and they're pretty sensitive anyway. So it's it's hard to, you know, unless you're standing on top of whatever it is, then you know, oh, wait a minute, here's a street light here and all of a sudden now my meter is pinging and then back up 20 feet and it stops pinging and I move forward 20 feet and it starts pinging again you know but when you're sitting in your house and a tri-feet meter just goes off for no apparent reason man it could be anything it could be anything right yeah it's hard that, to say like it because that radiation yeah. kind of just emanates in a in a would you you know in a circle right well, it, it measures electric fields and magnetic fields. Oh, and then, by the way, I I carry a very, very uh, inexpensive, simple magnetometer with me so I can detect those. And it's called a compass. When you have a compass <laughs> that starts going wacko on you when you're just sitting there, you know mm-hmm. something stupid's going on. Right. That's a good point. Yeah, there's so much electronics and stuff going on. I mean, like, uh, you know, if I live near a highway and my tri-field meter, you know, is going off all the time. I mean, anything from, uh, you know, there's cars now that you can set to cruise control to follow the car behind you. You know, not in his di- not in his direction, but just match his speed. And, you know, that would set off a tri-field meter. Uh, just... All kinds of stuff, man. All there's, I mean, and 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 is is all of it like not nefarious? No, I wouldn't say so. I'd say there's a lot of nefarious things going on now that we don't even know what they're doing. Right. Right. Well, that's what they say is that you know they're forty to fifty years ahead of us technologically speaking, mm-hmm. and um, 
my favorite little saying that I heard, and this is back in the 1980s, was a friend of mine just returned from a trip to D.C., and we were talking about his trip, and he told me, he said, uh, and I'm, you know, getting to the chase here, leaving out a lot of, but anyhow, he said, uh, if you can imagine it, it's obsolete. And I said, wait a minute. I can imagine some pretty incredible stuff. And he goes, exactly. So, well, well, well my mom, I remember she, she was born in the uh, 50, and she thought by like the year 2000, like, and this was a common thing, like they must have talked about in the schoolyard or something, but they thought they'd have flying cars like George Jetson and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, honestly, I don't even know what the problem is. We probably could have those, you know? Well, I think we do. Um, there's, uh, well, I'm going to put myself out on a limb saying this. Um, I don't think we've ever been to the moon using Apollo-style uh, spacecraft, Saturn V rockets, whatever. But I do think using advanced flight characteristic aircraft is what they called them when I did my research. Um, they can go through any medium. It doesn't matter if it's air, water, space, whatever, because they don't use a brute force propulsion system. Um, and uh, there's a couple of interesting books that are out there. People want to take a look at them. I don't know if you're familiar with them or not, but one was called uh, Alternative 3 by Leslie Watkins. And another was a much older book by, if I can remember his name correctly, Renato Vesco, I think was his name. Something like that. And he wrote a book called Intercept But Don't Shoot. And anyhow, they talk about the origin of these type of craft and... Um, some of it can be easily explained and some of it is way above my head but if you look into the work of T. Townsend Brown and how he discovered when he was working on some uh, and again I I know how to spell it but I don't know how to say it a, a, a wrenching tube you know like a old school TV tube mm-hmm. he had one suspended by uh, rope or wires, whatever, from the ceiling. And when he applied electrical force to it, it moved. And anyhow, that's kind of the super simplistic way of talking about what they're doing. But I tried to find that book, uh, Alternative 3, and uh, I had a really hard time finding it. And this is all pre-web time, so it's a little bit different story. Now you probably find it on the web. Um, probably banned on Amazon. Yeah. Right. Um, well, but they, it, uh, they've definitely been pulling certain books off the circulation. They'll buy they'll buy stuff up and where, where we can't get it anymore. Digital bookmarking, yeah. Um, well, what happened was during Star Wars, you know, during the Reagan days and even before that, um, over in England, they did this video series, kind of like a PBS type thing, I think, but in England, 
um, on all these disappearing scientists where, you know, their car would be sitting there running in the driveway with the door open and the person would be gone. You know, no, no goodbyes, no nothing, you know, all their keys, everything still there. And this was happening left and right to all these um, critical scientists. And so they did this um, uh, series called The Third Alternative um, based on that. And it, anyhow, people can look all that up so I don't waste your broadcast time I'm talking about all that. But um, that uh, led into the... the evolved evolution of this advanced flight characteristic aircraft. Wow. Hey, hang tight, guys. We've got a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hang tight. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Tejibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113. DrinkSuperTea.com Do you begin to smell some funky little things going on? Let me share this story with you. It's not so much a story. It's something I wrote years ago. Read your history, people. Stock markets collapse on Friday. Bank seizures, closures, holidays take place after business hours on Friday. Do currencies or governments also collapse on Friday? <laughs> Tomorrow's Friday. Will the end come on this Friday or will the inevitable collapse hold off for a while? The next round of the worst financial crisis in a hundred years is coming, people. And the government is out to make you and I pay for it. And will your savings survive a global banking wipeout? What happens when the U.S. sees hyperinflation? What if taxes soar not only for the rich... Can you survive the stock market tanks? Look, between a stock market wipeout, waves of bank failures, soaring government spending that will lead to hyperinflation and the destruction of the dollar's value, isn't it time that you prepare for the uncertainty which lies ahead? Protect your money now or forever kiss it goodbye. My friends, I offer you over six decades experience of hard asset ownership and knowledge. And I'm prepared to handle the smallest detail in the balanced protection of your portfolio. For as the future of uncertainty continues to blanket this nation of ours, 
I believe that I can offer you the privacy, safety, security, and possibly some profitability which you deserve. And so I invite you to visit SierraMondrePreciousMetals.com for further information regarding protecting your wealth. Or call me, Jeffrey Bennett, at 602-799-8214. Or by email at KettleMoraineLTD at Cox.net for private consultation. Once again, our phone number is 602-799-8214. It's almost Friday. I know King George sent mother a note when he heard that father was gone. It was, I recall, in the form of a scroll with gold leaf and all. And I found it one day in a drawer of old photographs hidden away. Alright, welcome back. Kind old King George. Alright, we got Ken and Jeff here talking about some crazy stuff. I'm, uh, you know, Jeff and I were talking a, a while ago and, and, uh, we mentioned the old, we're talking about the whole spying thing and, you know, Patriot Act and how nobody, you know, said anything back in 2000s, you know. And and they just let the stuff happen, and you know, now like you know they're selling our data. They've actually made it a business where they sell your data to other data things. And, you know, we get nothing out product. of it besides telemarketer calls. You know, and data is the most expensive <laughs> so, product in the world. We were, anyways, we were talking about Amdocs and the old you know Israeli spying thing, and you know, again, just it just boggles my mind that nobody said anything. And you brought up a good point, Ken, about the MK Ultra and. The brainwashing and the TV, you know, you, you mentioned the TV, Jeff, and I just wanted to add that that um, that recent video that came out that Obama's produced, um, "Leave the World Behind." Well, somebody did an anal- analyzation of the audio files and found out there was extra audio, like some sort of creepy subliminal type audio placed on that movie. And so again, you know, maybe they, maybe they made that one obvious for us to find, but who knows what they're running on, you know, behind the scenes, you know. Anyways, guys, take it away. Sorry. Go ahead, Ken. Oh, Jeff. No, I, I, sorry. I want to hear what you have to say. I'm sorry, <laughs> I took up so much uh, carbon dioxide. <laughs> no, well, you have good. to watch your footprint, Ken. <laughs> watch your. <laughs> I know. Dang big feet. Carbon credits at an alarming rate. You'll be dead right. too. <laughs> We're gonna be no taxing you. shoes are so expensive now. <laughs> right. Uh, what's the, what? Did you, what was the topic now? Oh man, I, I don't know. I just r- rambled on about you know, just the fact that you know that people allowed the Patriot Act and. You know, all the spying, and now we got to the point where they're just selling our data and, you know, making money off that, and well, you know, I we get nothing out of it that. besides telemarketers. <laughs> um, I, it's my understanding that back in, uh, I guess this was the Bush days, I don't remember, but um, all of our, you know, like NSA, CIA data, all of that uh, is controlled by MI6 and uh, you know, that other group of people starts with an M. It, none of it is 
is uh, private to the United States. No, it's not. Right. I, I've well, heard I mean, that, too, you know, the Travis Five Eyes countries, uh, you know, plus, plus one. Uh, like Travis mentioned, uh, Amdocs. We were talking on the phone uh, the other day, and I guess you were talking about Ken, maybe. I'm not sure. But uh, I'd mentioned Amdocs, and you were like, oh, yeah, dude was talking about that the other day. And I was like, well, I want to get on with him, because anybody that understands and knows what Amdocs is, that's the guy I want to talk to. That's the guy I want to talk with. Because so many people don't even know what Amdocs is. Well, they explain it to us. Him. That would be uh, Mike in Kentucky. So if you're listening to Mike on the show, call in because you would know. We've talked about this a little bit. And uh, r- run, the, run the audience through what Amdocs is, Jeff. Okay, so the example is You've heard your crazy uncle talk about it. He was like, yeah, if you even say bomb on a telephone, it starts getting recorded, right? Right. (laughs) So was he lying? No, he wasn't lying. But what he was, uh, uh, what he was, uh, uh, had been misdirected in that it was a word that would set off the recording. Well, Amdocs is, is an Israeli company. Can I say that word? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so Amdocs is an Israeli company, an Israeli-based company, that were tasked to pretty much record and categorize and, and you know, just totally nail down all information on almost all telephone calls that were happening in the United States, right. in every state. And they had locations in every big city. It is one of the one of the biggest organizations in America. It's not a U.S. government organization. And who would who would have thunk that they would give that contract? It, it's not even a, a contract that was out for bid. And this contract is one of the longest ongoing government contracts in the United States, short of the you know, DOD contracts with Lockheed Martin and Raytheon and stuff. I mean, these people are absolutely devouring and, and gorging on every bit of data. So, so you mean Amdocs is still running? I absolutely. thought they shut that down. Amdocs is still running. Absolutely. Right. Cool. Well, Mike, Mike in got, Kentucky just, just called. different names that they operate in. Right. Mike in Kentucky just called, so let's uh, let's hear what he knows about Amdocs. Mike, how you doing? I'm half asleep, and I heard Amdocs. I haven't heard that term in a long time. <laughs> Woke up. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I've been awake since 97 on this phone spying stuff, because what I'd, took me a while to really click was the uh, implications for human trafficking. Mm-hmm. You know, to listen in to teenagers' phones and, and even mm-hmm. down to five-year-old safety phones and track their metadata wherever they're at, you know, build a profile on them, and then decide when to nab them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they know exactly yeah. what you're talking about and where you go and what you do, they can set you up for anything. Well, so right. what you're talking about is a commercialized metadata, and a lot of the apps have a basically like a 40-foot-long terms and conditions, and buried in that mm-hmm. can be access to your metadata, your camera, your microphone, 
Mm-hmm. And some of the apps, some of the phones now, you can go into the security settings and look and see what apps have access to that and turn them off. But I don't trust mm-hmm. that. Do you? No, I don't. No. Nope. No. No, you could download an app, for example, that that the only thing that that app does is it is it wakes you up at 7 o'clock in the morning on your birthday and it just sings happy birthday to you. It just goes, da na 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 right? That's the only thing the app does. That's it. That's the only thing that app is supposed to do. But for some reason, that app needs all access to all your photos, your contacts, your <laughs> Yeah. The first one I heard about like that was the flashlight apps, and it goes back to the old 3G flip phones. You'd, you'd put a, you know, there was a so-called smartphone. It was the Motorola, I can't remember the model, but it was a flip phone. It had a little browser in it, and you could put some apps on the little screen on the desktop that you had to pay for. The first one I saw was Singular. 757 or something like that was the model. It was considered a smartphone even though it was 3G. And if you you look into the ANT, Advanced Network Technology Catalog, the stuff that snowed and leaked, and we haven't even seen a tenth of it yet, mm-hmm. there was, you know, it was supposed to be not even declassified until 2032. But they had uh, hot microphone capabilities on a bunch of those flip phones in 2007, eight. In that they were time frame, microphones and the cable boxes from the early days. They were. I heard man, that too. Were, yeah, they were spying on everybody from day one. I, well, hey, Mike, I haven't seen proof of it, but what? Go ahead. Uh, I um, had read something somewhere. I don't remember now, but it was like back in the seventies, and I think it was the Bank of America building. It could have been a Trans America building in San Francisco, where they run ran all of the. Uh, AT&T lines through that particular office so that they could monitor them all. Okay, typically in a lot of these big buildings in the big cities, they'll have what's called an interstitial floor, and the only access is uh, by freight or janitor's elevator, and it'll be like on floor 13 or something. You don't even see the floor number from the regular elevators. You can only get off with a key, and there's security right there, and it's usually right below the main telephone company's... uh, central office or mainframe and then everything gets routed down to that interstitial floor which is your parallel network within the network in the 90s they started installing these things called any media access from uh lucent i think and then there was a uh, lightspan 2000s that bridged the gap between the old analog plain old telephone system and the you know what we have now so i just given what I was told by an ex-military guy, he said in-country, wherever the touch-tone phones were uh, in the 80s, where he was deployed, they could go tap into phones on the hook in an entire building, you know, listen in on different rooms and stuff. They call it the hook bypass switch. So wow. it's hard to know. And, and by the way, I just saw an episode of Star Trek where they tried to do a spinoff, and I'd forgotten about this. It's uh, There's a famous girl in there, blonde bombshell she was 20 years old when she did it and it was a uh, some guy named seven who uh, for some reason uh, enterprise went back in time and this was set in like 1968 before the moon mission she talked to the typewriter and it went voice to text well i've got two sources that that was going on even with the heavy east german accent by 1969 they were doing voice to text so with hot microphones on the phones they you know they didn't need 
They just need to hire speed readers to read those voice-to-text that kept the metadata for what number was calling who or what number they were listening to. And they could catch, you know, great-grandma or the wife of the superintendent of the school or the wife of the sheriff making out with the pool boy or the milkman. Remember, uh, what was that uh, show with Dustin Hoffman? Here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. Uh, graduate? graduate? Yeah. Graduate, yeah. So you think back there, you know, Mrs. Robinson, they had dirt on her <laughs> if they needed it. Mom's kitchen <laughs> phone listening in all the time, you know, and, and being recorded. Those were the too, great probably. hacking days when you could do all kinds of amazing stuff that was just out of this world, you know, at least to punk kids. You know, we would go to payphone booths and you take a pen with you and you poke the receiver with the pen and it made a particular popping noise and you could make free calls. I mean, they were, you know, yeah. freaking the CRTs, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, Good old yeah, days. when I was a kid, they 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 robbed the tel- they they would make free calls from payphones with a series of three bills, it's quarter dime and nickel bill, because that's how the payphones work. the The telephone company could detect the tone of the bill to know exactly how much money you just oh. now put in it. And so oh, you yeah, could you just could use hear that. like yeah, yeah, yeah. Hear that yeah. change so going in. Right, yeah. So so that's how people, you know, made free calls back in those days. You know, you don't even see Well, we had a phone in, in uh, Moorhead, Kentucky, right by Black Obelisk, across from the the Jerry's restaurant. Whenever I ran out of quarters for the video games after riding my bicycle all over town, I I'd, I could call from there without having a quarter left <laughs> because it, it, they still had pulse dialing. You know, a lot of phones still had. Well, I, I don't know that it's probably just been disabled here in the last few years. But you could uh, pulse dial the receiver hook. You know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and it break the dial mm-hmm. tone. Then you do the rest of the number each each. Uh, each digit, just like your pulse dial on a rotary phone, just, you know. And that worked like a charm. I, I, it was the only one that I found in town that did that. <laughs> one phone. <laughs> but, uh, so, well, yeah, that I mean, was my what hack. You were, what you were talking about earlier about the, uh, about the analog to digital conversion, that was yeah. a big bottleneck. And that's yeah. why, that's when they started weaning everybody off of analog phones. You know, now they want everybody to get a digital phone. And your phone is now a part of your internet, and you know we're getting yeah. rid of all these analog phones. And if you want an analog phone, you can still get an analog phone, but we don't even know who to tell you to call. You can call the operator, but that might not even help. But you know, well, no, I've got the last. I'm on the I'm on the last mile or so of copper here, and uh, it, it's it goes over to what they call a mini switch, and it gets converted to fiber there, and then back you know, 10 miles to the main office. But uh, there's a lot of rural areas where copper still is, is the way to go. It, we're in a dead spot between uh, uh, cell phone signals, so sometimes we have it, sometimes we don't. Driving to town, we there's black holes on the way to town over the course of just 10 miles, and that's up on a ridge. So not everywhere has coverage yet unless you count all the orbital assets. So the best thing for privacy is a dang metal box with some junk in it to rattle. Flip it over, turn it over as you go about your path, and, um, and that'll defeat the turn-by-turn. 
And if you've got, you know, bells or something in there to rattle, that that, that might overload the, the internal software that records sound and then uploads it. I was in a local radio shack, which became very quickly a basically a glorified cell phone uh, stand. Yeah, they ruined in, in that store. Yeah. And so these two women were in there, younger women, were puzzling. Over, I was shopping for some connectors. Uh, and uh, I was in the back, and they forgot I was in there, I think. But they, they were talking about this guy. They couldn't figure out why his phone was overheating. They switched out the phone, switched out the SIM chip, switched out the battery, switched out the charger. And his phone was still overheating. And I, I, I chimed in when I got a chance. I said, hey, guys, he's probably leaving. Uh, he's going into areas where he doesn't have signal, and he is a target. So they've programmed the phone to record audio when he's not got cell phone signal. And uh, when he gets back and puts it on the charger, it's trying to transmit that audio out at the same time it's charging. They just looked at me like, what did you just say? (laughs) Very old man. Well, I wasn't that old then. (laughs) No, I've been been gaslighted over this stuff. I've been gaslighted over this stuff for 26 years, even though I had proof of it. Yeah, Yeah. that's where the tri-field meter comes in very handy because if you turn your phone off, you put the tri-field next to it, um, and your tri-field starts going off, you know Uh, they're messing with your phone. To the targeted town of Kim Davis, I demonstrated that many times because I had a a singular phone that I'd snagged, and it was that Motorola 757 that had the unscrewable antenna on there so you could put a bigger antenna on it, but I never did do that, but I'd be sitting doing my local TV show, and I'd hear that dang thing. I'd totally turn it off and charge it, you know. And I'd hear that dang thing going in my audio equipment because my audio equipment was analog. So I'd bring that thing over next to the the board and show it live on the air. Look here, folks. You heard that cell phone ping the tower. It's totally turned off and uh, folded up. And I open it up, turn it on, or well, before I did that, I'd put it next to my microphone, and you'd hear it. You'd hear the data going out. You know, you could hear it transmitting, and uh, you know, right through my analog microphone, and uh, you know, and that was six feet or so away from my audio mixer board, you know, and all the wires that went over to the uh, fiber optic link to the cable system. So, uh, I tried to uh, warn everybody about this as best I could. I even I have a video of uh, of a living room, uh, family home evening, you might say, where all this chaos is going on and. You can hear the kids screaming and the mom going, leave that alone. And I uploaded that on YouTube in, in uh, May of 2009. And I realized that I had access to all the ABC and NBC network affiliates file transfer protocol, FTP folders for news and production. I, I just hit the up arrow when I was logged in to a local affiliates folder. And I never thought about doing that until I got that video. I put that out, uh, I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens of affiliates for ABC and the NBC because I, I had their password to get into uh, WLEX and WTVQ. The next summer, the FBI arrested a teenager and charged them with posting graffiti in those same folders, but they never bothered me. Everywhere that uh, video was posted, if it got deleted over that summer, I uh, I reposted it, and by about September, I think they did an active attack on my computer and crashed it. 
I never got one call from one dang reporter saying, what is this video? It's called Bandwidth Bandits. It's it's all over the place because I was afraid it would get taken down. I posted it in a bunch of places. Even a phone accessory network webpage uh, had me, uh, what you call, uh, framed. They had that video framed on their uh, phone accessory page. <laughs> I, didn't, I just stumbled across it one day. But anyway, it, 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 uh, it's a hot microphone, and, and it was a real hassle because it was locking up our phone lines, and none of the phone technicians could fix it from GTE to Altel to Windstream to Kinetic. One guy I knew from previous workplace said, well, Mike, could somebody put a clip on your line? And he looked at me like, <laughs> you know, I think he meant bug, you know. But I, he said, I'm going to check, I'll check all the connections, but I don't think there's anything we can do to fix it. That's right. And leave one of those guys. Hillb- leave it to the hillbilly to fix it. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, one of those guys, one of those network guys that worked in Lexington in the main Windstream uh, network center, which I think was connected down to Nashville, and calls from all over the country were getting misrouted because I think there's, you know, their spying was overloaded and it suffered, uh, you know, glitches due to the they split the signal off so many times that it was barely above the noise floor because the Israelis wanted a copy and several other countries beyond Five Eyes are partners. You know, so uh, I actually asked a guy that was a fiber optic technician doing his laundry, kind of bored. We got talking shop. I said, how many times can you split one of them fiber signals? He goes, well, it depends on the power of the car. And I said, have you heard of room 641A? I was like, no, what's that? I said, it's, it's, look it up on Wikipedia, room 641A. And this guy named Mark Klein, uh, after he retired and got his pension secured for his potential widow, widow blew the whistle because he had the signal spec sheet, and he was in charge of maintaining the signal going into the room 641A that only the NSA had access to. That was in San Francisco. When uh, Electronic Frontier Foundation found out about that, they he it, the machine was listed uh, nearest sixty four hundred. They looked for the purchase orders and found out how many the NSA had. <laughs> well, that ties into the trunk lines. Uh, every AT and T line going into that one. I think it was the BOA building. I, I don't remember. But thirty thousand DSL lines bandwidth. Uh, each machine was thirty thousand DSLs. The equivalent. Mm-hmm. Back then. Uh, so, you know, voice, data, all the metadata, everything was going through there. And the weird thing, you know, everybody thought their phone was encrypted. You know, once they went digital, oh, you've you're got privacy, your phone's encrypted. <laughs> no. Nope. By the time it goes out of that cell phone tower to get in the phone network, it has to be decrypted. And then, right. you know, it can be re-encrypted when it goes to another cell phone company, but through through the network, it's decrypted. That's how come I was hearing inside of people's living rooms or grandma and grandpa driving home from church on a Sunday or a five-year-old in his room playing by himself with a phone he'd only had for two days, and he couldn't, no way he dialed me. This one guy, ex-law enforcement, that was gaslighting me for years saying, oh, that's the utility company's two-way radios, Mike, you know. No, it's not. It's not local phones. <laughs> and then, right. then he tried to say they were harassing me after I had a witness that he believed. He realized he couldn't gaslight me anymore because the witness was credible that heard the five-year-old playing in their at home <clears throat> alone in, in their room. And they realized then they were not going to get through me uh, uh, 
uh, going through, you know, because I had too much evidence. But uh, okay. no, the FCC Mike, took me down. Oops, sorry, time. go ahead. I was going to say FCC well, took me down big time, and I had no uh, responsibility for anything at that station as far as the paperwork or licensure or bills. And uh, so uh, once I had knowledge of this and I thought I had proof, I actually told one woman's uh, daughter phone, uh, called in uh, and locked up our line. And uh, I told her, I said, you know, take me to court. She, she said, don't ever call here again. And I'm like, I wasn't planning to, but if you take me to court, we could get this in court. And I could defend myself and demand discovery and put my stuff in evidence. Well, about four years later, the FCC's big old Sam Wheeler came down on us like a ton of bricks. He's a big cell phone lobbyist that bought his way in with uh, $10,000 or $10 million donation to Barack Obama's campaign. He's, right. he's a wild one. Uh, he was looking well, at Sam Wheeler. Anyway, we, we, uh, we could talk for like uh, another whole hour on this stuff, guys. Okay. Yeah, I think we did. Unfortunately, we, we, we sure uh, did one night. <laughs> the show's got to wrap her up. Uh, hey, real quick, uh, uh, Jeff, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at pilled.link, P-I-L-L-E-D dot link. And that is the research website that uh, a lot of people use to put up all their findings. You know, it could be just simple stuff that nobody, you wouldn't think anybody cares about, uh, super important stuff. We don't really turn anybody's research down. Everything adds to the mix, so. Yeah, check them out on pilled.link and also on BitChute, no bots allowed. Remember the archives, because I'm a fast talker. If stuff went by too quick, you can go back and catch it again. <laughs> right. Hey, guys, I, I appreciate the time. I really do. Uh, Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Travis. Yep. Thank Thanks, you, RB and listeners. To you. Thank Take you. care. Have a, have a great weekend. <clears throat> Have you been looking for a trusted long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market. Our line of resealable fruits, vegetables, and meats are suitable for everyday use, and you won't have to worry about throwing away valuable groceries ever again. Our food is completely GMO-free, and our stringent quality controls, plus testing for heavy metals, makes us unique in the storable foods market. Simply Clean Foods' primary focus is to bring clean food to people all around the world and change the way we look at freeze-dried food in our daily cooking. When you purchase from Simply Clean Foods, not only will you be receiving high-quality food, but you will also be supporting veterans in need across the country and those who are affected by natural disasters. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on long-term food storage in the rotating sponsors' banners to support RBN. Simply Clean Foods. Do it today. You're listening to Real Talk Radio. Only on the Republic Broadcasting Network.